I really feel at my heart to share with you something that happened to me several years ago. In fact, it was the first mission, once I had returned to God, that he sent me on, and it was to go over to England. And I experienced a huge miracle right in front of my eyes. So I was to catch the coach ferry over to England, and so you go down to Dublin and you book a coach, and that drives onto the ferry, comes off the other side, and then it drives down through several cities, finishing up at London. But when I had booked my ticket online, I had booked it incorrectly. I had booked it all the way to London, but my intention was to get off at Birmingham and travel from there up to Nottingham to see my friends. So when I arrived at the station, I arrived early hoping to speak to someone on the counter who could sort it out for me. I was waiting about an hour before the counter opened up, and when it did open up, the lady looked at my paperwork, listened to my problem, and asked me to go to the back of the queue. Now quite a few people turned up at that point, so I went and joined the back of the queue. And as more and more people arrived, I just had to let them go ahead of me because the, the lady didn't want to deal with my issue until I was the last. And the Lord was humbling me in that moment. And at the end, anyway, she uh, scribbled some stuff on my paperwork and let me go on board. And so I went off on the mission, made it, got out early at Birmingham from the bus. It doesn't really matter on the way over because the bus stop makes all the stops anyway. The, the issue was always going to be going home. So I went and saw my friends and followed the Lord on my first mission to a few different households in the UK. I caught a train to Nottingham Central Station. It was a cold March day and it had been snowing. I had an hour to wait for the next train to Birmingham. Despite the freezing temperature, there was no shelter except a small coffee shop. I went in, but other travellers had already occupied all the seats. I ordered a hot chocolate to keep warm and then went back outside. I stood in the cold for a long time. My thoughts were at everyone I had visited. It was overwhelming. They needed the Lord. My attempt to reach them had failed, but could only do so much in a short trip. So I lifted them up in prayer to my father who loves them more than I ever could. Eventually the train arrived and I had travelled to Birmingham. I walked through the city centre to the coach station, once again, in the cold. I arrived there about an hour before the coach was due to arrive, which was the minimum requirement. There was no check-in process there, just a group of people waiting by the correct date for a coach to come. I took out a book and started to read. Time went by slowly, and it was not until about ten minutes before the coach was due to arrive that I noticed that something was wrong. It was about ten to ten at night. A couple of guys who worked at the station were standing by the gate and looking a little nervous. Some of the other travellers were talking with them, so I approached the group only to find out that the coach had broken down somewhere on the road. Now to save time, the solution they came up with was that they were going to send all of us out in taxis to meet up with the coach at a motorway service station. I had a moment of panic because technically I was not supposed to be there because my ticket said that I was returning from London, not from Birmingham. There was nothing to confirm that there would be a seat in the taxis for me. Surely they would order just enough taxis to cover the number of people that should be there in Birmingham station, which of course didn't include me. I began to pray straight away and ask God to ensure that there was a seat for me. Ten minutes later, I was sitting on a taxi on my way to a service station. Then a thought hit me. What if a driver looks at my ticket and says, What's this? No, I'm sorry, I can't let you on. Why weren't you in London? It suddenly dawned on me that if that did happen, I would be in the middle of nowhere and it would be close to midnight and I would be stranded there. Once again I prayed to God and I took a stand of faith that everything would be okay. Soon enough we arrived and so I queued up. 
I got home without a single question about my ticket from the driver. Now the port was still some hours away and the coach had to make up for lost time. I found a seat and took out a small pillow and rested my head so that I could get a bit of sleep. Sometime later voices woke me. I kept my head resting on my pillow and just listened. The driver's phone had rung and what followed was an irate conversation between him and someone that worked at the ferry port. I heard him say, What do you mean the ferry has left? It can't have left yet. It's not even due to leave for another half hour. Followed by more talk. What time is the next ferry? What do you mean 12 hours time? Why did the ferry leave? Oh, the winds were too high? And the conversation carried on like this. I don't know about the other travellers on, on, on the coach. I was very aware, you know, waking from sleep and hearing this problem. I was quite concerned because I didn't want to be stuck on the coach for another 12 hours. So once again, I began to pray in faith. Within five to ten minutes, we arrived at the port. The status of the ferry was unknown. But I prayed for two specific things. Lord, calm the winds. Lord, please bring the ferry back. And after we went through security, the driver parked the coach. And from there we could see the ferry was returning. The driver went off to confirm what was going on. Within a half hour or so, we were all on the ship. And as I went onto the deck of the boat, an announcement came from the captain and his words were, Welcome aboard. Thankfully the winds calmed and the waves calmed and we were able to return to collect you. It was just such a glorious moment to see God move mountains right before my eyes. I was on a high then but then I realised later what I did wrong. You see what God wanted me to do was to stand up on that coach. Before we ever knew that the ferry was coming back. He wanted me to stand up and in faith declare to those people. That they're not to worry. That God is going to do a miracle. And if I had done that, people on that coach would have been saved. It was a humbling moment, but it was also a moment where I saw the Lord's wonderful power in action. In a dramatic way for the first time. But the Lord has brought this back to my attention today for the prophetic significance. I feel like the traditional church versus the new move of God. There's a big difference. And the new move of God has already started. It's already it's already on the boat and it's already left. But the traditional church has missed the boat, so to speak. So I have a message for the traditional church and a declaration. When you start to wake, you will start to pray. And when you become aware of the problem, you will begin to pray in faith over and over again. And access will be given. But don't be silent in your faith. Speak out and tell all who will hear it. Do not worry. God is going to calm this wind and the waves. And the boat is coming back. And you can still be on that journey. You can still be a part of God's new move. I woke up this morning with a Bible verse right there in my mind. Not the Bible verse words, but the reference. First Samuel 2.22 It says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they were lying with women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. From there, the story goes on, of course, to talk about the judgment that's coming for his family. And in a, in a sense, that everything was being defiled. You know, those who had been leading had defiled the meeting place. Eli had hoped to pass on the spiritual baton to his sons, and here they were, 
defiling the meeting place. And so God was just saying, that's just coming to an end. I'm going to start again with someone who seeks my heart. Last year, my 40th birthday, I crossed what I call my River Jordan to claim the promised land for this generation. And there was many things that happened that day. I've shared about this before. But something I haven't shared about is what happened soon after that. It was just a few weeks after and uh, my eldest daughter had was, was coming to visit with us. We all went back to the same place where I crossed the river. And there on the promised land side, if that's what you want to call it, we sat and had a picnic and a feast and, and the girls went down and played in the water and, and so on. But there was a large gathering of young people there that day that weren't there the day when I was there. Now, it was a much warmer day and the sun had come out, but there was loads and loads of youth there. And not only were they just there, but they were diving off the path by the river into the, the deep water. But also they were climbing up into this row bridge going over the river. And they were jumping down off this height, right down into the depths, with no fear at all. On the way home we went a different way, and something strange happened. The Lord brought us past a field which was on fire. You know, the fire engines were there and everything. It was it was a f- field that was on fire, out of control. There was something that had gone wrong. At the time I wrote down this, that there was a, a door being opened to chaos. It's been sent to consume those who are receiving a double portion and those who walk in high places. And demons were gathering to make a sound to open a door of destruction. But a house of awakening will have its reward in a tabernacle, a field on fire. And the Hebrew word for field there, Strong's over 1251, Barar, means an open field. But the letters symbolize a bet, a house, and then resh, the awakening. So at the field symbolizes a house that's awakening. So there's a door that the enemy is trying to open to destroy what's on the field and what's awakening in the house. But there is a door that God wants to open, which will far surpass anything the enemy is doing. Strong's number 1856, Dakar, to pierce, to pierce through, to pierce him through, to thrust, to wound. And this letter symbolizes a door to holiness and a door being opened. It really means open up you door and let holiness awake. You see, the problem with Eli's sons was that they had not opened the door to holiness. Instead, they had opened the door to destruction. There is that key moment in time where they had to decide, or where their actions would decide for them, were they going to turn to holiness, or were they going to carry on in their defilement. And that moment, there's doors working. And doors are so connected to time. If you think of a point of time, say... The moment you were born was an appointed time that God ordained for you to be born. And that moment of time is stamped in history. It's not in your memory because, you know, you don't remember that far into your youth. But it's stamped in the memory of your parents or of loved ones around you. So there's this time stamp, an appointed time where Eli's sons, whether by word or by action, they stood at this door. And the door was not off in some hidden city. It was right in the open at the tent of the meeting place. They were going down to a a brothel to defile it. They were going to the Lord's house to defile it. 
And there's a huge, huge difference. It wasn't just saying to the Lord, oh, I'm choosing to sin. It was saying to the Lord, I'm choosing to sin and make a mockery of what you are doing. I had a dream last night. And in it, I was going fishing with my dad. And there was this huge elongated tunnel, all from made of brick or stone in an arch kind of shape. And we were walking along there. And we came to a point probably about halfway along the tunnel. And my father stopped and there was what used to be a gateway there, but it had all been blocked up. And opposite to it was some kind of uh, bench made of stone. And uh, he stopped there started unpacking his fishing gear but I walked on I went past that point and later in the tunnel I found this open door and the open door led to a beach and it was a beautiful looking beach because the water was so perfectly clear even from a distance I could see way out deep into the water and see all kinds of fish swimming around you know like grass and pollock and all, all sorts of fish and so I went back to tell my dad and that was the end of the, the dream. But it's linked in here because there's so many people that have gone halfway with the Lord. Or they're they're stuck in that traditional church, just attending church on the Sunday, attending the midweek prayer meeting. A word's going to describe for me to tell you what's beyond the open door. There's so many people just at that blocked off archway. It used to be open. They're waiting for it to be open. And they're just going to sit there. That they're not going to carry on to go out the door. But I want to declare to you tonight. The open door is over here. In the water, yes, the water is clear. There's no mud in it. There's no taint in it. It's perfectly clear, beautiful water that flows from the throne of heaven. And there, swimming in the water, is a beautiful variety of fish swimming together with each other and waiting for you just to go and discover it all. Yet you're back in this dark tunnel waiting for a door that will never open. And perhaps you were told by people like Eli's sons you know, this is the way, you need to sit here, you need to wait. This is what's always been done. Uh, look at the archway, you know, it's an, it's an ancient way that's you know, it's got to work, you know. Let's just keep going. But listen to me again. The open door is over here, and the water is clear, and there is a variety of fish. Why not walk the rest of the way with the Lord? Why not go through the open door with me, with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Seek the water that is clear, and seek the fish that are swimming. 